It's dawn of the final day. Hopefully we won't be met with a terrible fate. Get ready to refill your hit points. Welcome back, everybody, to the Hit Points Podcast. I'm Matt Acevedo, joined, as always, by my amazing co-host, Emily Rose Jacobson. Howdy! And Naeem B. Stewart. What's up? How much, guys? Not much. Another day, another day, and another day. We're <laughs> joined with another really fun friend. Um, guys, we have an amazing friend. I, I, I should have wrote all the podcasts that you do. I forgot to do that. But Blake, everyone, Blake Schultz, welcome to the podcast, my friend. Woo-woo. Thank you so much hey. for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Another day under the dome as it were yeah blake is a, is an incredibly incredibly smart person he's uh, got some awesome podcasts including uh, uh hollywood uh, oh gosh hollywood already did it podcast i butchered that i still butchered that <laughs> uh yeah it's um hollywood already did it which is a podcast about movie remakes reboots and sequels and whether or not we need to be doing that trend often the answer is no but sometimes you get a nugget um and then i do one that matt was recently on called how do you figure about uh action figure collecting we did a great episode about amiibo i think it was the second to last one we actually did before uh the quarantine situation so it's right right up there and then i do one other one called one more drink that's a comedy podcast and right now we are talking about different first times that we've all experienced that can range from your first pet to your first enemy to the the first time you told somebody you like. Oh my, that's great. Oh, wow. Mm. That sounds like a lot of fun, man. Uh, it's one well, of my thank favorite you things. so much. Thanks for coming on today, buddy. Thank you for having me. I love everything you guys do. I've been listening as a fan. I'm, I'm very excited. <laughs> <gasps> oh my gosh. That's awesome. Wait, guys, let's go ahead. Fan, no, no, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Our egos just, just blow up on this podcast right now. We're monsters. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much. Uh, guys, let's go ahead and do a quick touch in. Like, how How is everyone doing? How How is everyone? I'm doing all right? Uh, yeah, I'm good. I just, as usual, just busy, you know, working in games and, you know, how that goes with the development cycle. So it's just normal week to week. Busy, busy, busy during the day. But I yeah. am, as usual, being able to play some more games, which is fun. So That's great. That's great. And how you been? I am doing pretty good. Uh, this past month has been really, really crazy with work. It's kind of lulling for a week, but then uh, it's going to ramp back up to being crazy again because we got a few things coming down the tube. But, uh, yeah, just trying to relax, just trying to uh find like trying to pinpoint things every day that make me happy and being like okay well this thing made me feel good today so i'm gonna remember to do that tomorrow or on a day that i don't feel so good and yeah uh prepping for a a personal bioshock project that i'm going to uh (laughs) work on uh like abc family i will be celebrating the 29 days of bioshock leading up to bioshock the collections release on uh, may 29th and so I am just, yeah, planning out what all that's going to be. Maybe I get a free copy of the game because they're going to see how much of a crazy person I am for this game. I hope so. <laughs> you deserve it. 
Oh, guys, tune in for that because like I'm very excited for that. Stay tuned in May. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be super <laughs> rad. Blake, what have you been up to, buddy? You doing good? Uh, I'm doing all right. As I said kind of before the show, it's a world of relativity. So when I look at kind of myself, I have to go, well, it's good because I'm working and it's all going fine. You know, I do market research for film and TV, so we're kind of crossing our fingers that theaters open again soon and my job can continue to exist in the form that it has. Uh, But otherwise, you know, I've just been catching up on movies and TV shows and video games and... I've got my health and everything else. I'm good, man. You know, good everybody you, around me has been super friendly and I get to do things like this. So I can't complain. Heck yeah, man. Well, guys, we have a really fun show for you today. It is, you know, time doesn't feel like it's moving, but May is on Saturday or, or Friday, excuse me. And it is actually the 20th anniversary of the Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. We're going to talk about it later today, today in this episode. We're going to celebrate it. But first, let's jump in, guys. What what have you been playing over the last week? What's 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 new in the gaming world for you guys? Uh, Blake, why don't we start with you? I mean, it's all been Animal Crossing. Um <laughs> Because right now, you know, I have a Switch and a PS4, and our PS4 is in the communal area of our apartment, which uh, right now with everyone working from home is quite coveted space. So we usually use that for our movies and whatnot. And when I get a chance, I do Resident Evil 3 on it. But this is my first Animal Crossing game. And if you had told me that within a month (laughs) of its release, it would be my third most played game on my Switch when I rank it by hours, I would have called you crazy. But here we are. I'm now uh, taking all the anxiety I have in real life of if I'm doing as well as other people and putting it into a video game because I see all these amazing islands and wonder what am I not doing that everyone else is. Yeah. Uh, I get to take all the fun of credit card debt and put that into a game. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a fantastic time because all the things I miss and don't miss right now are in that game. <laughs> yeah, man. Have you ever done a slice of life game before? Like, have because you, you say you haven't done Stardew or uh, Animal Crossing, but have you done like Stardew Valley or like Harvest Moon or something like that? I did a little bit of Harvest Moon, man, on the N sixty four. So I must have been ten if I'm dating myself. Um, and not really outside of that, they yeah. really didn't appeal to me when I was younger. I think mostly because I wanted the adventure and the roller coaster ride and you know when you're a kid and they tell you here's an adult simulator you don't want to do that because that's what you're you don't want to become that the goal of childhood is to fight off adulthood as long as you can yeah man (laughs) that's awesome well i'm glad you're enjoying the game uh you know coming into it i just have one final question for you on animal crossing what what for you what was the draw because i've never I, i think you're the first person i've met um, that, I mean, I know there's a, a lot of people I know out there, but the, the first person I've gotten to talk to who's never played one before, what's the draw for you? It was honestly a lot of word of mouth. You had kind of been talking about it when we did some podcasts together. My other co-host Terrence also was very excited for it and other things I listened to all were hyped, but there was something very appealing about being able to relax. And I think it came out at the right time where it was very hard to find that escape and that ability to relax and just sort of sit down. Like there kind of are two kind of games during the beginning of COVID-19. One of them was animal crossing, which just let me completely forget all my troubles and build a world that I wanted to. Part of the appeal is it's very hard for me to, you know, buy a house and build a game room with arcade cabinets and just go fishing when I want, but I can do all of that here 
in a very low stress, low stakes environment. And the other game is Resident Evil 3. And it feels really good to shoot a virus in the face right now. So those were kind of the (laughs) things that I'm ping ponging between. But honestly, part of the appeal was really just trying something new also. I think I knew everything else that I was getting this year. I'd played those games before and I just kind of figured why not expand my horizons a bit and and see what all the fuss is about. And the fuss is about greatness. That's very true. Well, awesome, man. We'll continue to enjoy those games. Uh, I know I've been uh, touching on Animal Crossing, but I kind of hit a little bit of a wall because other games came out and I was like, I need to slow down a bit because I already paid off my house completely because I played the turnip game hard. I know. Oh my gosh. (laughs) But it's a problem because I went too fast because I I don't have enough furniture of like the same stuff to like make the other three rooms (laughs) into anything. So you now have a shell. When my parents bought their uh, like a bigger house in Illinois, a friend of mine came over and he was like, man, this is a great shell, but you guys don't have anything to put in this right now because you put it all here. Yeah, that's exactly what happened to me, man. And I'm, I'm kind of bummed about it. And it made me a little unmotivated to, like, terraform the town, even though I know what I want to do with my town. I just mm-hmm. – I, I took a little bit of a break. So um, – but I go in every day just to check for, like, rocks and stuff. Yeah. Naeem, what have you been up to, buddy? What have you been playing? I've been playing two games, one recently as of yesterday. But uh, I've been – Final Fantasy VII, been going through the remake. And – uh this is my first time, as I said last week, my first time playing through Final Fantasy VII in general. Yeah. And I got to say, that music in this game is phenomenal. I've, it's I've so never good. heard a soundtrack before, and I'm just it just fully immerses me into that game, and yeah. uh, among other things. So I, I am loving the soundtrack a lot. And uh, the other game I've been playing, I just started yesterday, was Gears Tactics. And I am yes, a huge fan. Yes, how's that? Oh, man. It's so good. <laughs> I wrote I wrote about I, it for Geek Girl. It was one of our most anticipated games of of, of April, and I'm curious, uh, yeah, to see how it, hear from you how it is. Yeah, man. If if you like games like XCOM, uh, it's right up that alley. Um, it's not as I don't think it's as hardcore as uh, XCOM because XCOM, if you wipe your whole squad, that's it. You got to get a new squad. And this one, if because it is along with this main story on it, it has like these two key so far two key characters that if they die then you basically start over the whole map or whatever so you gotta start over so they, they can't die uh initially so that's the key difference that i'm noticing already but the me- mechanically this game is phenomenal i i am loving how this is uh shaping up so far yeah so, um i have a couple friends you know bert obviously has been playing it. zach uh hyper uh has been playing it so i love the it. moment it comes to xbox i'll play it dude I, I don't yeah. have a PC that could play it, but it's coming to Xbox. It's not, we don't know when yet. Yeah. I don't know when either. They haven't announced, they said it is coming to Xbox, but they haven't announced an actual date yet. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, it'll, it'll come eventually. I wouldn't be surprised if they do it either right before Xbox One X launches or during Xbox One's launch. I wouldn't be surprised. It's a little more so. like aggressive too. Like it kind of, it kind of rewards you a little bit for being a little more offensive, right? Yeah. 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 So far, that's what I'm noticing. Um, as I get more squad mates, because I haven't gotten too far ahead to see the other squad mates. But um, yes, it's pretty aggressive. I have a chance. 
<laughs> oh my god! I'm gosh. so bad at, at strategy. I'm like, just go, no, get in there. I'm, I'm the same way. I'm a very offensive player. I feel like that in like JRPGs, RPGs, everything. I always buff out everybody's offense stats, and anytime it's like, try this defense move, I'm like, no! Like all my Pokemon are just straight attack. I'm like, why? Why would I do anything else? Yeah, I designed my Pokemon team to be able to hit A a lot and not have to strategize. I like the idea of rolling in and just being like, I'm a rock star. I don't know what to tell you. And you're a water star. So. <laughs> oh, that's a bad pairing. It's reverse. Sorry. Oh, my and, gosh. Uh, um, uh, I meant fire. Sorry. <laughs> Jeez. Well, yeah, they well, that's do, awesome, They man. do a good job. They do a good job uh, introducing, uh, introducing the player into the game and being well adapted to how mechanically it works and uh, being successful. So I, I think anybody could just jump in and have fun with it. So. That's great, man. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Nice. Yeah, yeah. and it is for, if you have Game Pass and a PC, it is on Game Pass, so you you can just download it if you have Game Pass. So and yeah, yeah. and if you don't have Game Pass, they're doing like a promo right now. And you just pay a dollar for this month for Game Pass Ultimate. So oh, that's great. Well, dang. Yeah. 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 So you get that in Gears Five as well as free, right for this month, I believe. Dang. Get on that Game Pass, y'all. Emily, speaking like- of Game Pass. What games have you been playing? Well, uh, just just continue trucking through uh, Animal Crossing. This week, I bought a lot of turnips. And so, like, the previous times, I've only bought, like, a few turnips. And, like, oh, let's just make sure this works. Or let's make sure I have good prices. But now that it's, like, oh, you're going to find people's islands via social media. Like, who has the best turnip prices? I bought a lot this week. Now I have, like, I'm sitting on a nice... Uh, three hundred thousand dollar cushion uh so i just paid off my most recent house expansion which is nice uh yeah. but i'm not i don't have enough to pay them all off matt <laughs> oh uh, you're gonna be so mad at monster. me my turn for 581 yesterday oh dang I-, I goofed and forgot to buy turnips this week and my friend today had a had turnips for like uh 594 or something uh, i went to their crazy. island they had a very nice island wait so can you uh, can you all explain how these turnips work in terms of like? Yes, is it like it a, is the uh, stock market? It's S S T A L K, the stock yeah. market. A, so like, basically, you yeah. buy turnips. Uh, you buy turnips on Sunday. They're usually at a set price. It's usually kind of around like hundred and ten to like eighty. They can vary between like that price, and you buy them in sets of ten. And then throughout the week, you will get two turnip prices: one in the morning, one in the afternoon from Timmy and Tommy. And the goal is to, like stocks, sell, buy low, sell high. So you want to buy, you want to ha- hopefully have turnip sales that are, you want to hopefully buy turnips when they're low. Uh, like and 91, then you want, 90-ish. Yeah. You want like 90-ish. And then once they're high, like you want to try and find a day or go to a friend's island who is selling, who who has Timmy and Tommy buying turnips for like 400 bells, 500 bells, 600 bells. So you're making almost a six times profit on those turnips. Yeah. I bought <laughs> Wolf of Wall Street on the island. It, yeah, 100%. It, re- it reminds me a lot of when I played World of Warcraft. They have a big auction house uh, system on that game. And before, you it would be just by server. But now nowadays, with the recent additions, you can do it. You're cross-platforming through amongst servers, selling and buying stuff. And it's... It, on a dramatic scale but this yeah this will remind me of that so yeah it's interesting 
Yes, and I've been doing that, and then today I finally, well, it took like four hours for it to install the other night, so I didn't have time to dive into Fallout 76, but earlier today I officially dived into Fallout 76. Um, It's interesting so far, literally, I'm not, I've never been a big online multiplayer gamer person. Uh, I didn't get, I mean, the last one I really did hard was like RuneScape, but even when I do games like that, I tend to like to to be on my own, to kind of do my own thing. But, um, so it was, it cracked me up as immediately as I exited the vault, I ran into two NPCs, two human Whoa. NPCs, <laughs> which I can assume is from the Wastelanders expansion. So it's interesting. Uh, I'm going to write about this for Geek Girl, but it's really interesting playing the game, having this be my first introduction to the game rather than playing the game when it first came out and seeing all this lack of people. Like I heard this, I on the radio, you hear the the DJ talking. I'm like, oh, this DJ is really fun. And then I believe I saw, because I was looking her up, her information up on, her character information up online. And I'm guessing that when the game first launched, there was no DJ. And so everyone got real upset because all the Fallout games, when you tune into the radio stations, there's always a DJ. You've got uh, Three Dog from Fallout 3. Mm, yep. You've got uh, Mr. New, or you've got, yeah, uh, Mr. New Vegas from Fallout New Vegas. And, and such and such. And so apparently there was no radio hosts in Fallout 76 until, I guess, within the past two years. And so uh, it's really interesting diving into the game during this time. I hope it's a really good game. I remember covering it for, for Game Engine on Geek and Sundry. That's when I was writing for that show. Uh, and it felt like every single week we were dealing with Fallout 76 news and how, oh, this beta was not good or, oh, they didn't deliver the promised pre-order bonuses or, oh, this thing is happening. People are cheating to get the new codes and are destroying the games for each other. So having that knowledge now playing it now, it's really interesting. The thing I really do like, though, is as soon as you start talking to uh, a Mr. Handy, the good old fashioned Fallout 3, Fallout New Vegas uh, text options come up. So your character oh, nice. is not voiced in this one. I'm really stoked. And so far, the writing is OK. I have yet to develop or to see a real personality come out of those dialogue options like you can get in those other games, which is what I love. So yeah, I'm starting my Fallout 76 journey and so far it's so good. That's better, say that. huh? I it's think like you're, it's, you're enjoying it now. I'm enjoying it. Uh, cool. I want to play it again. I feel bad because as soon as I stepped out of the vault, some rando person came up to me too and was like, follow me. And I was like, oh, I'm so not used to playing online multiplayer games with strangers. <laughs> and I was like, I'm just the kind of person who's like, I kind of want to explore this world for myself right now. Like, yeah. once I get the feel of it, then I'll team up with folks. But like, for right now, it's like, let me just be alone, <laughs> please. Yeah. Man. Well, that's exciting, man. I miss Three Dog. He's the best. He was good. This was this Three... one time. <laughs> I, I did save the game after I did this. I, I found where he was in Fallout 3, and I, I killed him. And then uh, I wanted to see what would happen. <laughs> what would happen if you kill him? And then apparently you just don't hear him on the radio anymore, obviously. And it just felt weird, so I just reloaded the game. I was like, oh, okay. Why did you kill him? Just radio I, just silence. To, I was curious. It, yeah, well, yeah. Well, the radio will still play, but he won't be a host. He, yeah, he does not like introduce the songs. Yeah. So, Three Dog's great. Sorry. Yeah, I didn't that's awesome. Well, cool. And I'm excited to see how this develops, Emily. Uh, Emily is on the report, giving us the latest <laughs> Fallout 76 I'm update. here on the scene. <laughs> how is it out there, Emily? Oh, it's it's definitely rough. <laughs> People are not wearing masks. They aren't staying six yeah. feet apart. It's hard in the wasteland. There's a lot of radiation. 
Well, that's awesome, man. Uh, for me, what have I, you been I've playing? Been, yeah, yeah. I I so I start. I tried the. There was a demo that came out. Um, it was a beta, an open fire beta uh, that had three different time slots for this game called Ninja Ninjala. Not it's that's how it's pronounced. I, I, yeah. I want to say Ninjala, but it's Ninjala. Uh, and I got to play. I played one round, and then uh, their beta crashed. Their servers crashed. I don't think they were anticipating the amount of people jumping into the servers. And I think the quarantine had an effect to that um, because everyone's home playing games. Um, so they'd had three different tests and each single, every single time the servers crashed. Um, but I was, I was able to get a game in and I actually like, I actually enjoy this world building a lot. I think the music's great. Um, I, you, there's a character creation that's really fun. You choose like a style of ninja and then you get to customize it. Like the, it's kind of like the Splatoon customizations, but a little more in depth, which I thought was cool. And it's a free to play game. That's going to come out, I think end of May or early June. Um, but the, the combat itself was a little button mashy for me. It was like, I wanted a little bit more strategy, um, cause so, so what you do is it's like, you have these, these kind of like batons and you have these bubble gums. So you're just trying to eliminate the other teams. It's, it's basically like death match, but you're, it's free for all. So you're playing on your, on your own team in the beta. Um, and you know, when you're you, and throughout it, there are these little drones that you have to defeat as well. So when you see the drone, you want to def- defeat it to get your bubble gum power up. Um, and if you get it up, uh, big enough you can equip your bubble gum to your sword to make it bigger which i thought was a really cool feature um and then it made it easier to fight and there were these cool clashes when you try to fight someone you'd basically button mash uh, like a and or it was right trigger uh, zr um and then like you know if you if you hit at the same time you clash and you have to like choose a direction to like counter behind them which i thought was cool but it felt it just if i think it needs to be like tweaked a little bit more it's like I, I wish there was a more defensive option as well, like for countering or something like that. Um, it, it has a lot of potential, though. I think they, you know, this is they want to hear our feedback, but I, I think they'll they'll hear that the combat just needs to be tweaked. But I had a lot of fun, so that's yeah. good. In one round, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, nice! Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, I also picked up um, two other games. The first one I did uh, was Moving Out from SMG Studio, who did Death Squared. This is a game that's kind of like basically overcooked, but you're a moving company and you're trying to move things out of a house into a truck as fast as possible, and it's crazy, and you're destroying things on on accident, um, and it's a lot of fun if you're playing with someone next to you unfortunately i i, I bought it because i tried to play it with my friend minzui um but there's no online feature which is like such a bummer oh um, gosh yeah because like the game playing by yourself is like near impossible there's no they don't lower the level of difficulty for the time so you know you, you get you get ranks and level gold silver bronze depending on how fast you get it out um it's almost impossible to do it by yourself because you for like big things like sofas and refrigerators like the game basically encourages you to have one other person be on the other side and like help with the directions and when you're by yourself you're just kind of like jamming it uh in so i i just found it really frustrating um and it's just i don't think it works one player especially like unless they lower the the time like i'd be fine if the times were adjusted for a single player mode does, does that make sense like yeah yeah, yeah. Otherwise, it's a really fun time. Um, you know, I got to play a little bit with Katie, and Katie had a lot of fun. And with two players, it's fantastic. But one player, I was really disappointed um, in that, in that, and I was really bummed that there's no online feature. Maybe they'll add it. So, um, yeah. So, if you don't have anyone living with you right now, I wouldn't buy it yet. 
<laughs> but like Blake, you got a lot of roommates. Like it's it's a really fun couch co-op game. That might be perfect. Yourself, yeah. Especially because all three of us here are in the in, like that industry, and I think it would be in that weird cathartic way of like let's emulate being a PA and get all this out as quick as we can. <laughs> like on concept, I'm like, well, I, that's a very sweaty time, but in a video game, that could be really fun. Yeah, yeah. I, and if I'm honestly, breaking stuff on the way, I'll just pretend it's certain director's sets that I've been on and just... Yeah. There's, no. like, hidden objectives for each level, too. Like, one of them was break all the windows, and you're literally jumping through the windows to grab, oh, like, a chair and throw it across the without room. without a meal penalty. That's a great objective. <laughs> so I, if you have roommates, like, I think you'll have a blast with it. Check it out. Um, if you don't, if you live solo, don't even bother with it yet. Um, and then the other game I was, I, I've been playing a lot of, I, it was kind of a, a, a spontaneous buy. I got Trials of Mana, the Square Enix game. That's a remaster of the old SNES game that only came out in Japan, but was recently released on the, the uh, Secret of Mana collection, um, that, which is the first time it was released in America, which is the, the SNES version was released, if that makes sense. And then oh, a month geez. later they released the remaster of Trials of Mana. So um, I heard that I never played a Mana game, so this is my first time. I heard that it is basically literally like a remaster of that game. So like everything is basically the same, but it's a remaster. The game though is awesome. It is so much fun. It's the game I've been playing when I can't play Final Fantasy and I'm, 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 it's, a, it's, it's the game I can kind of mindlessly grind. It's, a, it's an action RPG that you get to pick uh, three characters out of six, um, Two of them, their stories line up. So you want to have like two of them that like line up and, you know, bring a third person that has a different side story. But it's just a lot of fun, dude. It's not hard combat wise. Um, it's pretty simple. Um, I would say the difficulty probably spikes at the end game, but I'm almost done with it and it feels like pretty simple. But I think the, the, there's something to the simplicity of it and to the, you know, the, just the world building and the characters and the music that just really it's really really addicting um so i'm i'm really thoroughly enjoying that game and the, you know and the story is a lot of fun basically it, it, um there's three bad guys and like the, like two of them two of the heroes are dealing with one of those bad guys and you're like kind of working together to like help each other but the their the mana tree is like being the mana is being depleted in this world and you're trying to you know collect all these uh, these spirits to help you retrieve the sword of mana to like stop the mana tree from losing all of its mana uh, and all these monsters um, from rising up again. So it's a really good time. Highly recommend it. I'm loving it. So dang, yeah. you've been crushing games this week. Thanks, man. I, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been good. <laughs> I, 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 I started doing push ups in between things and going on walks and it's been making me feel a lot better. Yay! <laughs> yeah, man. So that's what we've been playing, y'all. If whatever, whatever you guys have been playing, let us know at refillyourhitpoints at gmail.com and hitpointspod on Twitter. But guys, let's get into the news. It's been a fun week. Um, interesting week. Good and interesting, I would say. Um, let's go ahead and start off with The Last of Us 2 news that leaked this week. Um, for, you guys, for those of you who don't know, The Last of Us was in Infinite 
excuse me, indefinitely delayed uh, recently because of coronavirus. But there was um, a there's a, um, a major plot point that none of us have looked up because we don't want to see spoilers. But there's a major plot point that was released along with some video game footage from a disgruntled Naughty Dog member. Um, that is the rumor. That's from an, a disgruntled Naughty Dog member. No one. Uh, Naughty Dog hasn't confirmed it, but that is the rumor. Um, and because of that, Sony has went a- gone ahead and announced the release date of uh, June 19th. And my question to you guys um, is, is like, how, like, does this kind of a re- leak, does it do more harm to the people suffering from constant crunch? Or does it, is it, do you think that like the people who are like in working on it right now, like they're okay with it? Does that make sense? Okay with a leak? Yeah, like 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 if like your coworker, they're definitely oh, no. not okay with this. It's, I, it's like I, more harm to your. Coworkers. I saw I saw a really I saw a post that basically was like if you can imagine like because the video game in, the video games industry is really tough. It takes it takes years for games to be completed throughout their process, and it's like say and and it does not a lot of people. It doesn't have a super longevity of its cycle for for employees. So this person, I forget their Twitter handle, but they basically proposed the question. Say you can only make 10 pieces of art in your lifetime. They're very precious to you. You put a lot of hard work into them with other people. And then all of a sudden, one day, one of them is released before it's even finished. And then everybody has to talk about it and everyone has their opinions on it. And it's a thing that like you care about and you love so much. Like That yeah. hurts. I, I think... I don't know about you, Naeem, but like for me working right now during this time, it's been super duper hard just due to like, just, like my com- I have to access my computer from the work building itself and that causes it to be slow. And there's all these COVID has caused all these delays on our site and all these frustrations with people and it's, I'm dealing with it and it's really, really stressful. So like, and I can only imagine crunch right now too, having yeah. to work from home, not having the facilities that you need to complete games like you're used to having. But yeah. uh, it, it makes me sad because I really I think, too, I think, yeah, I'd love I really think oh, I've been saying this for so many years. The video games des- industry desperately needs a union. Uh, hopefully this is one of those steps towards them unionizing. Uh, and, yeah, hopefully this also starts a conversation of like, please, like, let us let us get into crunch and let us really try and make it so that this doesn't happen. But yeah. Naeem, you actually work in the industry, so your thoughts are definitely more more clear than mine. Yeah, just follow what you said. Just don't do this. Don't don't ever leak something. Don't ever leak uh, time. And it, it's one of the worst things you can do after years and years of hard work that's that's gone to this property. And to like, it's like a slap into it's it's like a slap in their face to yeah. leak content like that just because you're if there's just one person apparently that's was disgruntled, regardless of the situation. Don't ever do that because it has long-term effects on not just only the company, but other ramifications from other entities that are tied to this as well. So also, I imagine uh, like that there's got to be a huge uh, if you you know when you're under NDA and stuff by breaching that uh, that's got to yeah, have huge it, consequences. Gonna be a lot of it's going to be a lot of consequences for this person that is that has leaked this apparently. But uh, well, and yeah, it sucks. Don't, don't do that. Yeah, and it sucks too because I know I know Adam and Zach talked about this. I think maybe even with you, Matt, the beginning of this quarantine lockdown with just uh, studios shutting down, and just the whole idea of do studios give their editors and give their employees cuts of films onto their own computers to work on during this time? And it's stuff like this. This is the worst possible case scenario. These are these leaks that can happen. 
and yeah. and no studio nobody wants this yeah blake yeah. uh blake like i know you work in the industry as well i'd love to hear your input on all of this um he works in the, uh, in the film industry but it's similar kind of handling of things well and and it, it's funny you bring up kind of that side of it because i think overall whenever there's a leak it's it's detrimental to everybody and yeah. we at our company have gone through so many hoops of we've done a screening and somebody tweeted about it we did a screening and somebody stole our questionnaire we there's a lot that i could speak to that i unfortunately can't because i don't want to risk my own well-being even if they are more public leaks that have happened um but there's nothing worse from the filmmaker's side, from the artist's side, and I can only assume that it's the same from the game developer's side, from a consumer getting your work, your content, not in the way they intended it to be. A big thing we do when we do our screenings are, is this theater worthy? Is this worth seeing in a theater? Is it worth buying a $25 IMAX ticket to see? And if something like, the new Halloween movie gets all of its plot details put online. That's detrimental emotionally and psychologically to the people who worked on it, who, who tried to present you something in a specific format. And that's now robbed of them and of you. Um, I also look at all the people that really worked on it and put time into it and how much it affects them even if it's like a little thing of, well, we wanted them to to go on this story and this journey and they don't get to see it the way they meant to. Yeah. And it's a very weird time for that leak because I know so many people in the film industry, kind of what they're weighing right now, a lot of the news is, you know, because of the success of Trolls 2's vi video on demand success, it made a hundred, it did better on demand in three weeks than Trolls 1 did in its entire theatrical run. So they have since decided to release everything day and date, VOD and in theaters. And of course, AMC is mad about that and they're not showing Universal movies. But when you kind of look at it this way, the distribution for video games hasn't really changed. So I don't really know, and maybe somebody else can speak more to this, how that supply chain affects it. And I wonder if this leak was somebody trying to get Naughty Dog to pick a date and get it out. And like... Because even when they did the indefinite delay, mm. they said it's done mm. and we're just trying to figure out the best way to do this. So yeah. if there were any good intentions behind it, I feel like it's washed away by all of the negatives. Oh, yeah. Uh, the yeah, you know, the yeah. negatives and people, uh, we are seeing on Twitter as well that Naughty Dog people were, were saying that uh, Twitter and people online and Reddit were already judging the game based on the leak and they're like that's so that's not fair because like look at the first game it's like they go from point a to point b like that doesn't tell you anything about the game well um, when you start so to it's... play telephone at that point right of well this yeah. person said this thing and the leaker said that they're ripping off this story and that this gameplay and da 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 and suddenly you have this narrative around the game that doesn't need to exist because yes maybe it's borrowing ideas from red dead redemption 2 or other some other thing here and there but of course it is. Like every game is going to, everything's going to draw a little bit from everything Every story else. Is, is drawn from, you know, like the classics, like from oh, something. Yeah, stories are repeated. Like there's yeah, only yeah. a certain amount of like certain kind of story structures you can tell. It's all about execution and how, and you know. <laughs> I think what's tricky for this game too is that, I mean, a lot of people, like everybody is hyped for this game, yes. There are still people out there who are mad that Ellie is a lead. 
of this that this game has a female lead. They and probably so, also don't like Captain Marvel or Wonder Woman. Yeah. But like, and, and that's frustrating too, because, because these kind of leaks just give fuel to that fire to be like, oh, well, this happens in the game now. And so I'm really not going to da 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 And you just don't want to, you like, you're like, oh no, please. No, not the gasoline. No. And so I think, I think to anyone listening, like it's really hard because I've heard of friends whose Twitch chats are now being bombarded with, uh, the last of us part two leaks. These leaks oh, are popping up no. everywhere. Yeah. So I'm worried too. If we yeah. talk oh. about, if we, if we mention this on Twitter, there might be people who pop up and share leaks. I mean, never forget Adam was checking the live hyper. Adam was checking the hyperhero videos upload in line to see Avengers Endgame, and someone jumped in the comments of the live video and said Scarlet Witch dies, and he saw it. And I've never seen Adam Hyde get so mad in my life before. Uh, so yeah, so I think I think yeah, just common courtesy, try to avoid these spoilers. And if you see someone sharing these spoilers in a very in a very aggressive way and a not helpful way. Just block it, report it, stop uh, it. You know what else you could do is, and I, I don't know if Twitch has this feature. Naeem, maybe you could speak to this. Um, but, you know, I, like re- similar to what I did on Twitter, maybe I should but mute words. Last of Us and Naughty Dog until. You can't do that on Twitch in, tw- in chat? That's a blast. I don't think you could do that. You, got, you, just, you, you, you rely on your mods pretty much. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can actually, actually, no, you can ban words from popping up, uh, but it's it's morely relying on your mods as well on top yeah. of that so yeah, yeah. well i would recommend doing it on twitter anyways that it's you yeah. know and and just don't google search the words last of us because you never know what autofill is gonna do oh matt my yeah. we uh this was years ago now but we had a big leak the night of the last jedi and it was my job to try to find this leak for the movie and i found oh, it and the next comment the guy posted was Last Jedi spoilers. And I just went into that movie crossing my fingers that half that stuff didn't happen. But <laughs> so it, it affects everybody. It also, if I may, I never get to talk about this. If there's a leak on a movie, it's my whole day. I don't get to do any of the other important work that I need to do. So you're ruining a lot of people's time when you do that. Don't yeah. leak things. I- yeah, I remember a couple, well, not a couple, it's been a, a bit since it happened, but I remember when the uh, Wolverine movie was leaked when it wasn't finished, and that was such a big deal because it put the movie in a bad place as well as the people, develop, not developers, the uh, artists that worked on it in a bad place as well because it just left a bad taste in everyone's mouth because even though the movie was subpar, it just made it even worse for people uh, wanting to see this film, and it, it actually, I think it bombed. Probably. In the, in oh, it, I mean, it made money, but it was critically panned. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So just, stuff like that it just does not help. Uh, it just makes everything worse in terms yeah. of uh, trying to get these properties out. And, you know, it's, yeah. it's unfortunate. Yeah. Well, guys, let's move on to our next topic, which has a, a kind of an kind of like a, an opposite kind of thing from Cooking Mama. It had an opposite kind of problem. The game Indivisible from Lab Zero Games, uh, from publisher 505 Games, um, which is the, the, the people who made the game Skullgirls, which is like a really fun um, kind of cult classic fighter. Um, their game Indivisible was released early on the Switch today. It's already been out on other consoles, but it was released early on the Switch today uh, to the developers not knowing. Developers didn't know about this, and the game that was released that you, that you can purchase for 20% off on the eShop right now, um, it is not the full game. It is not the finished game. It is an early product of the game. Um, the publishers um, put the game out, but the so 505 Games put the game out, but 
the, the Lab Zero games had no idea that this was going to happen. Um, so this is an interesting thing. I've never seen something like this happen before. I kind of wanted to throw this to Naeem um, to see how does this happen? How is there not <laughs> communication between the publisher and the devs? Uh, it, this seems very, very strange. And um, yeah. <laughs> I, so what I, w- I was reading the article earlier and it was saying that the, the Switch version was handled by an external studio, I, I believe that's what it said. Uh, that being said, still, there's just poor communication. <laughs> that's how, that's the, probably the worst thing you, well, not the worst thing, one of the worst things you can do to have your uh, development team discover on Twitter that their game is released. And I, I, I have never gone through that personally, thank God. But yeah. uh, that's, I don't really have much to say other than that's just terrible communication. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people will be, somebody will be reprimanded for it. So. Yeah. And here's the, the, the game that is out is, is playable and is, as the, as the developers say, um, it's pretty, like, it's, it's pretty polished still. It's just not, it doesn't have a lot of the features that the main game has. So there's not, you know, just like some things are different and there's not extra like boss fights and stuff like that. It's just missing. It's not the full game. So it's just mm-hmm. real, real weird. I don't know. Emily and, uh, and Blake, I don't know if you guys, I Yo, heard anything about this. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm sure that this is like, as someone who's worked with like, uh, in a number of places where communication is key, but is often lacking. This is so totally like just a big old communication error. Somebody oh, yeah. forgot to look at a calendar. Somebody thought this was okayed. I don't even and... know how I got that far <laughs> to do that. <laughs> well, if it's, I mean, if it's a, I mean, they, they, I mean, who knows? Maybe it was like, hey, you got this version for me? Yeah, I do. Great. We still set on this day? Okay. Awesome. And that person maybe misunderstood that as great. I'm going to load up this version to be released on the Switch, not knowing that it was not the finished version. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, I feel bad. I feel so, so bad for that for that whole department right now who is having to deal with this fire because I'm sure that that is just uh, the worst right oh, yeah. now. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure... There's plenty of emails that you're supposed to be CC'd on that you know to follow the chain of what's going on. I don't know how it still got that far to, to be able to release the game. Ah, uh, you know what? It could have been. I don't know about games, but sometimes like with companies I work for, sales or announcements are told to, especially someone in social media. I get told like the day before things happen. By the way, we're gonna do a big old sale tomorrow. It's gonna go the whole month, and I'm like, great. I need these assets, or oh gosh, and like it just. Sometimes I think there's there's just miscommunication or people are like, oh, well, I'll just tell this person whenever we're done, not knowing that the other people's departments like depend on those t- like longer time frames, announcements in advance and whatnot. So I'm sure it's just a big old communication thing. Oh, it's a real Mrs. Doubtfire situation. Somebody was at one table <laughs> and then ran in a costume to a different table and they told one table the wrong information and the game got released. It has the, the same sad ending as Mrs. Doubtfire because the kids lose. But. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> well, but it still has a hilarious scene with Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> Man, it really, really does. Um, you know, guys, let's move on to some good news that happened this week. Um, today, there was an eight-hour live stream from artist Kode Ab- Kode Ab- Abdo, uh, who is also known as Boss Logic, and at the towards the end of the stream, it, start, it was revealed um, that this is actually the promo and for the new Assassin's Creed game, which is Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which is dealing with Vikings. 
that's really really cool i i, I kind of caught i i did not expect that i was like it was like right before we did this i saw that i was like oh my gosh uh uh, the if you guys look at the uh, the graphic, um, I sent it to you guys. Uh, it is the the final image that was shown is a Viking holding an axe. Uh, on the left side is Viking ships. Um, and, and it's kind of like a darker tone. And on the right side is kind of a brighter tone with Vikings fighting. Uh, just what are those knights? Just yeah. like knights at a at a castle. So yeah. it's it'll, it'll be interesting. This one is this piques my interest a lot because from my understanding of how Vikings are or were. In the past, they're not usually stealthy. They're, oh yeah, they're like upfront, <laughs> bashing things in. So I mean, look it'll be at that. To see look, how they're gonna do this. Look at Hellblade, dude. Just like yeah, <laughs> yeah. super in your face. Yeah, that's um, yeah. kind of one of the things I'm excited about, though, because we've always, when Assassin's Creed came out, I was working at GameStop, and I vaguely remember mm. the promise being that every game was gonna be like super different. We were gonna get like Prohibition assassins and all these times that we never did. And we're finally kind of doing that. We're finally yeah. not just in like a white robe, hanging out, doing the same moves in a different decade. Yeah. And now I'm like, this character is going to move so differently from every other character we've played as. And mm-hmm. that's where I'm like, Oh, this is going to be so interesting to watch how we change the mechanics of this to fit this new time. Yeah. And I know um, my question, and I kind of want to throw this to Emily, is uh, do you think that they're going to bring back the mechanic of choosing to play as a man or a woman like they did in Odyssey? Oh, I hope so. Let me play as a lady Viking, please. (laughs) Cassandra was great. But then again, like Odyssey, the story made sense with the, like, if you haven't played Odyssey, uh, slight spoiler, like, it's your sibling. Uh, and so, uh, you, the boy or the guy, the male or female avatar you choose as they're related. So will they do that again in this one? It's a possibility. Um, I don't know. Uh, it seems to be they're very much a male lead from the art itself, but they could always, they could, but you see a female Viking on the side there, uh, doing some fighting. Uh, I'm really excited. I thought Odyssey was really, really good in Odyssey. Um, the Ubisoft completely actually it started with Origins. Origins Ubisoft kind of completely revamped the whole uh, Assassin's Creed system, missions, fighting, whatnot. It was all it was all reworked, and then in Odyssey it was vastly improved upon. It really polished it. It feels really good. I had a blast to the point where I have not finished the game yet, but I still have the save file on my on my PS4 because I got so far and I accomplished so many things. I did so many side quests and I'm like, okay, once I, whenever I go back to this, I want to pick it back up where it is, but I'm really stoked to see what they do with this. Yeah. What is the story that is told here? I mean, immediately seeing that ax, I'm instantly reminded of one of my other favorite Assassin's Creed boys, Connor Kenway from Assassin's Creed three. Nobody likes Assassin's Creed three, but I love it. I loved Assassin's Creed three to death. We got, yeah, Connor ran around with the tomahawk kind of assassin's axe. And yeah. so, and in the last game, Cassandra had the Spartan's weapon. So uh, all of these, it seems like these these new assassins are getting almost these these trademark weapons mm. now. And so it seems like this this Viking axe will be kind of like, like Cassandra's, uh, the Spartan. It was like the tip of, uh, oh gosh, the big Spartan. What's his name? Leonidas. Leonidas, the tip of Leonidas' spear that was broken off in battle. That is like her short dagger that she uses and runs around with and levels up. And so it looks like this will be a very important weapon. How it fits into the 
to the new, like I said, they've kind of revamped things a bit. So there's a whole new kind of, if you know Assassin's Creed, there is the, not only the story that is in the time period, but there's also the outside story, which involves like people in real life going into the bodies and the minds and the memories of these assassins and figuring out what they did so they can solve real world issues. And so I'm curious to see how the current plot continues on and explores itself with these Vikings. I I haven't played through Odyssey. I, I need to get get into it, man. I need to get into it. But I'm excited for this game. Um, and we don't know an exact release date. We do know that it will be it is slated. You know, we're going through coronavirus, but it is slated for uh, 2020 release. Um, if we fall through tradition, um, I would re- I would actually think it would come out in October, like previous Assassin's Creed. But there's the chance that it might be for next gen. So that is so wild to me. That, like, I know we kind of got a tease of it last year at E3. Like, what also cracks me up is how many people are surprised by this. And I'm sitting here being like, but I remember this being teased and announced last year. That, like, we didn't get any <laughs> art or anything, but it was, like, talked about that, like, yeah, the next Assassin's Creed game, it's specu- it looks like it's going to be set in the Viking. It's going to be, like, kind of Viking set in that time. And yeah. so, but that was what cracks me up because, I mean, Ubisoft still has Watch Dogs Legion that was supposed to come out this March. It is mm-hmm. now set to come out this fall. So it blows my mind that yeah, they still are hell bent on if they're if they're really determined to have a 2020 release for this game. To me, I'm like, whoa, that's impressive because uh, yeah. I think we've just seen so many delays this year that I always just expect it. But I'm really excited because on I believe that you said on uh, April 30th, yeah, which tomorrow. is tomorrow, there will be a special presentation for the game, a full reveal tomorrow at 8 a.m. Pacific time. I believe live streamed. Yes, it will be live streamed. Yeah. So I'm yeah. excited to tune into that. That's going to be great. Yeah. I'm excited to tune in too. Um, let's move on, guys, to our main topic for the day. That was the news. Let us know what you think about that on our Twitter and email. But let's get into our twisted fate that awaits us. The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask 20th Anniversary. This game came out April 27th, 2000. It was directed by Aiji Aonuma and uh, Yoshiaki Koizumi, uh, and was produced by Miyamoto. And this is one of probably, I probably the darkest Zelda game um, to come out. And I think for a lot of people, this game was a bit of a, a shock uh, coming after Ocarina of Time because Ocarina of Time was had the sense of adventure uh, and you know everything was was like so grandiose and open. While this one is very much more uh, bleak and and deals with very dark themes um uh so i I, i'm very excited to be talking about this with you guys let's go ahead and open it up what was your your guys's um experience with this game uh what like what what do you remember about this game Uh, let's start uh, with blake i remember a lot about it's my second favorite game of all time so it's one that i try to do once every other year if i get a chance to but when I was 11, because I'm in my 30s now, and this game had just come <laughs> out, what I remember so vividly was playing the demo at Target, back when Target had kiosks with N64s and there'd be an arcade-style line behind it. Oh, yeah. And seeing images that I had never seen in these games before. Epona gets stolen. Link yeah. gets whooped right away. And I remember going to my friends the next day in school and telling everybody, the horse gets stolen, you get knocked down, you're in this twisted, weird forest, but you've already got the shield, they don't start you with the wooden one, you have everything you need, and it's just so creepy and ominous, 
And I remember nobody reacting to Epona getting kidnapped, and it drove me <laughs> crazy. I remember everyone just saying, oh, well, like, the horse, so what? I was like, what do you mean, so what? Your best friend got stolen. <laughs> These were all children who had never lost a dog and didn't have to spend all day putting up flyers. They did not know the pain of losing yeah. <laughs> a kid, but a kid, a, a, a animal. <laughs> An animal is essentially it's very a hot for a in my apartment. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. Um, but everything else, I just... It was winter when I got it. It was a Christmas gift. And I remember just being taken on this journey that I had never really seen in a video game before. And everything I did having consequence. And at the same time, every victory I had was a failure. Because I would hit the reset button and all of my hard work would have to be done again. And I remember being a kid and that blowing my mind narratively. That I just couldn't win if it reminded me it's a bad movie but it's a good reference ben affleck's daredevil he's sitting down and going to sleep and he can hear the woman getting attacked and they see her crawling up to him as if he can save her and he can only hear it but he has to rest and this idea that heroes are making choices that every day you're starting this game and you're not going to beat everybody you have to beat the moon because that saves everyone but all of these other little things become ancillary to that. And it's such a weird thing to struggle with because I feel like it's one of the truest themes in the game as you grow up in life and realize that you're just not going to win every single battle you go into and you're going to have to restart sometimes. And I mean, the imagery stays with you too. It's almost a John Carpenter yeah. movie when you meet the mask salesman the first time. Oh, God. And you, changes expressions and he's got this weird hunchback like he's an old school universal monster it's great and every time that you know it, it, for me there's the imagery of link whenever he puts on a mask he's going through excruciating pain every single time but he has to keep going because he has to stop this from happening well and it's suddenly insane. there's a weight added whenever you're a new character you're you're somebody's son or their father or a bandmate and yeah. Like there's a literal scene where you have to tell a child that you're not their dad. That's so hard. Yeah. All the different masks, man. It's like it's all whimsical. It's like, oh cool, like I can swim, I can breathe underwater, like I can I can shoot Deku nuts. Uh but you see Link go <laughs> It's like at what cost? It really at feels like cost? Tim Burton got hired to do an Amblin movie in the eighties. Back, yeah. like, you know, before Dark Shadows. I'm talking, like, Batman Returns, Beetlejuice, Tim Burton, and, like, <laughs> Goonies 80s action. It, it, that weird combination of dark and lightheartedness that just really clicks. Yeah, absolutely. Emily, what was your first experience with the game? Uh, This game scared the hecky out of me as a kid. Like, oh, oh yeah. I adore uh, Ocarina of Time. That's one of my favorite, I think right after, uh, I think it's right now for me, it's tied with Breath of the Wild. I love both of them so much, but I have so many fond memories of, of Ocarina of Time. And in this game, you really didn't get Ganon. You really didn't get Zelda. You got scary moons, scary mass sequences, depressing storylines, depressing themes. And I like, I don't think I've completed it to this day because I would always borrow it from friends. Yeah. And I just, it was so hard for me to complete because I was like, this game stresses me out. Yeah. It was just so, yeah, it was just so dark and just not, not a sequel I was expecting. 
uh, speaking of sequels, I would be. Can you imagine if they did like a Majora's Mask X sequel to Breath of the Breath of the Wild too? It's all I is, want. <laughs> if that's like if that's a sequel that they're building up towards, that would be insane and just wild. But yeah, this was this was this is a very spooky game. Yeah, real real spooks. Naeem, I I know you mentioned that you haven't played it before, right? Do what? What do you know yeah. about it? All I know is when I was younger, I remember seeing, I think, the cover or some screenshot of the moon. And I was like, I'm glad I'm not playing this game. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I, 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 I just remember seeing I remember seeing Ocarina of Time. It was, there's dark moments in Ocarina of Time. But, oh, yeah. <laughs> but seeing that moon was like, oh, yeah. I'm, yeah, nope. I remember it was at Blockbuster now. Yeah, I remember seeing it at Blockbuster when you could turn over the box or whatnot. But yeah, yeah I, I, yeah, I never played that game. Although I do want to know, I know the moon was, you, it was a timer until the moon crashes on Earth. Or oh whatever. yeah. Uh, why did the moon look like that? Is is what I'm curious about. Well, he was very upset. He was being pulled out of orbit. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever been pulled down slowly? It's an uncomfortable feeling. <laughs> He think um, of him like a victim of the mob who's like his feet are in cement and he doesn't want to go underwater, but he just is sinking slowly. I, you know what, though? I do think that it is this game to me. It's all about kind of reflections as well. Um, like like so that to me, the moon kind of um, kind of feels like Skull Kid's. Uh, 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 anger towards the world it kind of represents how angry he is and why why he feels like you know he's he, he, it's, it's such a oh oh the ending sorry i don't i won't spoil the ending um i, I mean we don't, oh, we'll talk whatever. about the ending because it yeah, is we'll talk about the incredible. ending it's dark and amazing but you it's just this kid who's just been like has so much built up and i think that the moon is kind of a reflection of of all of this um oppression he's getting so. Yeah, because they, they don't really ever narratively give motivation to the moon itself. So I think that imagery is just supposed to represent this angst and feel of dread. But I really like the idea that it is a reflection of the Skull Kid because it's become a device of his, right? And it, yeah. it's that weird, like, I don't know, Cobra Kai branding that everything kind of needs to have what you're doing on it. We have... You know, a good killer leaves a mark, I guess. Yeah. But it really does give this sense of almost like Joker-esque lighthearted terror. That something terrible is happening, but somebody is smiling about it. And it, it adds this creepy atmosphere that can only really exist when somebody is doing something terrible while smiling. Which is one yeah. of the most terrifying images you can have. I think that's why clowns evoke so much horror because whenever <laughs> something they do is bad, they're, they're grinning and that's a, yeah. that's a bad thing. Yeah. And, and what's crazy to me is that because this is the sequel basically the direct sequel to Ocarina of Time, these are all people in this town, the town of Termina uh, um, that, that link has, already encountered and and have has dealt with already and none of them know who can remember they act like everything's uh you know like is fine um which kind of brings me to my next thing about this game what, what i really love is this fan theory that kind of seems to be uh you know globally um accepted as the theme of it is that it's actually dealing with death and the different stages of, of, of death so like the different um grieving stages, stages. of grief yes 
Yeah. So um, the the five the stages are represented in the different areas. So there's four different areas, and then the fifth one's the town, uh, Clock Town. Um, and in Clock Town, everyone accept its acceptance, its acceptance of of this 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 glooming uh, uh moon that's gonna crash. Everyone is like, oh, the moon's coming. Ah, well, you know, then it's gonna happen. Um, then there's the in the Goron spirit, um, which is ah, I I'm I can't remember the exact moments, but the Goron spirit represents um. I think it was ang, uh, no denial because he didn't he didn't want to accept that he was dead, right? The ghost. Well, you'd get into uh, the son not accepting that his dad is dead, which That's would right. be denial. Um, yeah, I yeah. have all of them written down. On my Me too. I, so there's denial, <laughs> anger, uh, depression, acceptance, and bargaining, um, and all the different areas kind of deal with one of those things. Which is, ah, oh my god, I love it. For a Nintendo, I gotta say, for a Nintendo game, I don't think that like it's like that's something I would expect to see out of like a place a Sony game. Uh, you know, I I don't I don't pers I personally don't expect this out of like an early Nintendo game. You know what I mean? No, not at all. Because I think when you when you imagine Nintendo, you think a little bit Pixar and Disney and this magic, but. I mean, I guess if we really broaden Nintendo's scope, right, the Metroid games are all about isolation and these Ridley Scott horror death traps that you're about. And you get into things like Earthbound that we're dealing with the final act oh, having this imagery of, of the womb, if I remember right. I don't. Yeah. I picked a reference. I don't know that well. Um, or even like Kirby, like all the final Kirby seems like all cute and cuddly. And then the final bosses are usually some sort of nightmare thing. Yeah, well, exactly. That's always a very, like, evangelical end of the world. We're going to come at you with this giant creature, and you're the only thing standing in its way. And I think even uh, things like Mario RPG or whenever they have a chance to oh, yeah. build out these characters, they usually add these kind of sad themes behind them. Even when Bowser finally gets characterized, it's always just this kind of pathetic sad dude who just wants like friends and attention and it, it you feel bad like they yeah or even like the pokemon games i mean silver and gold get into selling slowpoke tales and mm -hmm. this kind of weight of right and wrong so i don't think it's uncommon but i think majora's mask did it the best because it left yeah. so many things up to interpretation it put you in a world and it really wasn't until I was an adult that, that I heard about the stages of grief theory. And I remember driving on the 101 and hearing that on a podcast and swerving my car out of just, oh my God, it all makes sense. <laughs> it felt like that scene in Fight Club where it's like, well, you know, it was on the tip of my tongue, but we just gave it a name. Like, here it is. One of my favorite mechanics about this game is the time feature because every single time you, you reverse the clock, now, I don't know if you know this, but, you know, you have three days. At the end of three days, game over. So you have to reset the clock at any point. But it's you get this, this – There's the game is so stressful. Real-time days? There are three days. I don't – I think the internal clock is like an hour, right? Yeah, if I remember right, it's it's 60 minutes. I always slow it down and speed it up, so I don't yeah. know off the top of my head. But, yeah, it's yeah. about an hour or so before it all comes crashing down. It's Which like a proto Pikmin, right? Like you have a time. What's up? I was saying they expect the kids to play this game to know all this. Dude, or... but honestly, as an eleven-year-old who played this game, 
<laughs> Dude, I, yes. I did not know because I, I never owned it. For me, I always rented it from Super Duper Video, uh, which is our local video store. Rest in peace, Super Duper Video uh, and Blockbuster. But I always rented it, uh, and the time mechanic confused me. I didn't really know what I was supposed to do, um, especially when I'm starting over every time. Uh, but I actually didn't beat that game until the remaster that came for the 3DS. And I 100%ed it, and I, I was in college, I think, when that came out, and it was beautiful. It was beautiful. So that's I didn't play it till I didn't play it fully through till within the last you know ten years. So, and it was still really hard. So my question for all of you um, who have played the game is, you know, this game has a lot of crazy things going on in it, um, but there are a lot of really really great moments it's happy sad scary like i want to know what are your favorite what's one of your favorite moments from the game and why don't we start with you oh gosh like give me a second i need to recall it's been so long uh okay uh then i i, I can say mine real quick uh for okay. me for me the, one of my favorite missions um it's one it's just such a Oh man, it's such a bummer of a mission, but it's a side quest that you can do in Clocktown that sends you all around Hyrule. Uh, it's on multiple like time, like it, it takes a long time to complete, but it's this wedding mission where there are these two, this couple that are trying to get married uh, in this town. And once you finally, you know, you, you go through time and get everything that they need, you get them to, to be married at the last, literally like you have to wed them in the last like minutes because that's the only time you can do it is like in the last minutes that this moon's coming. And it's just this, like, it's so sad. Cause like it's these people that love each other and you finally get them to, to fulfill a bond and, and they know that death is coming, but they're okay with it because they have compl- officially like officially gave eternal love to each other that that made them accept this fate because no matter what's going to happen, they're going to move on like together. Cause and, and it's just, Oh, it just hits you, man. It hits you. Ah, yeah, that's the probably the most heartbreaking side quest because it's the one that you put the most work into, and then if you actually want to save the day, you have to undo it. It, yep. it kind of feels like if you've ever worked a job and you do a lot of work, and then at the end somebody else gets credit, but you still like <laughs> get a paycheck. Yeah. It's not the same. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, cause, cause, yeah, cause I aim, cause like you have to reverse time, you know, cause like, like mm. and and then they forget. It's like it's yeah. so sad. It's so good. Uh, Blake, why don't we go with you next? What's your favorite, man? Uh, I've got a couple that I listed, but if I'm being really honest, and I'm going to speak through the eyes of 11 year old Blake, who is enamored with the new Pokemon that were added and falling in love with this game on a cold Chicago night, the first time you see those aliens when you're yeah, getting your horse back changed my <laughs> life. So that was such a weird those mission. Of you playing at home. Incredible. Because in what Zelda game have you ever been like, how am I going to get my horse? And someone's like, well, you know, we're being attacked by aliens. And maybe if you can beat the aliens, we'll give you a horse. That is some, like, as a kid who loved Independence Day and Mars Attacks and all of that, you just, you're on a horse sn- playing Hawkeye sniping these aliens on a farm. For context, your horse gets kidnapped, which, as I already described, was an emotional moment for me. Yeah. Uh, you know, 
to redeem this horse, you get to the farm. I don't think they call it Terminia. That's the overall world. Do they still call yeah. it Moo Moo Ranch? I don't remember. I don't. I don't think it's La, I don't think it's Lamont Ranch. Am I, I, yeah, I don't. Re- it, it's fine. The ranch. Yeah. You are told. You know, your horse has been found there. They're taking care of it. They don't know that it's your horse. They don't really care that it's your horse. But if you wait there long enough, it turns out that aliens are stealing the cows, which was a very 2001 problem that was going on to some people. The X-Files were popular. There were crop circles being talked about. It's fine. Um, They'd come down, and if you could beat these aliens, you got your horse. And my favorite part about it was they were aliens. There was no reveal that they were people from the village dressing up. It wasn't a hoax. This was some straight up Y2K leftover aliens <laughs> in a 2001 game yeah. that were just messing around with cattle. Yeah. I told that one's so weird. That one stands out for sure. Well, thanks for sharing, Wait, man. So, <laughs> What's up, Naya? They're aliens. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Out of all oh things you can put in the game, they put aliens? In... Okay. All right. Cool. Yeah, man. <laughs> Emily, why don't you uh, yes. uh, share with us your favorite me- moment in the game? I think the one that like just sticks to me because it was just so sad and stressful as a kid was getting the i had to remember i had to like because i knew it was associated with the mask and i just couldn't remember which one so i had to look it up real quick but the the gibdo mask when you have to heal like the weird mummified dad and his daughter and him are reunited and it's so sad and he's like this was just like a nightmare it was all like a bad dream (laughs) i'm back now uh and he's like where have i been this whole time and you're just like you were a mummy in a casket like it's so spooky and weird and it's a nice like it's great to have the mask but just that reunion of like i think yeah like the little girl is just you have to sneak around her because she'll i think she tries and stops you or something i can't remember yeah but um but yeah there's that moment of like yeah i got this mask but what did I just witness? Like that was so like just that reunion that yeah, just that reunion and yeah, with the with the knowledge too of like oh yeah, this this very this family got reunited, but also the world's ending in three days. Yeah. Like oh gosh. Yeah, man. Oh that was our favorite moments, guys. Let us know your favorite moments, um, you know, via Twitter and all that stuff. But guys, uh, let's talk about the end of the game really quick. I, I kind of want to talk about the end of it. Uh, this is major spoilers. We haven't played the game, but at the end of it, um, it's just um, if you hundred percent it, there are all these masks that you need to get, and you link, um, you enter. Was it you go into the moon, right? And then there's like this dreamscape, this kind of like dream weird world with children running around, and you have to give the children. A mask. It's it's, oh god. And if you if you're able to give them all the masks, then you confront uh uh your, um like Shadow Link, and that's where Shadow Link comes from. It's from Majora's Mask. You fight this dark, creepy version of himself. He like faces himself in it. What were your guys' reaction to that? I mean, I oh man, <laughs> now you're just like now you gotta play this game, dude. <laughs> yeah, I didn't finish. This is news to me. But wow. So, <laughs> I have some like weird context for this moment because I remember I had a, a neighbor who got very competitive for some reason with me about everything. 
So when I got Majora's Mask, his like dad went and bought him Majora's Mask, and he really wanted to beat it before me. And we used to cut down our Christmas trees, and we were cutting down our Christmas tree, and he told me where he was, and I was like, that's where I am. And we had this like sprint to the end to beat him. So my first memory of that scene is relief, is being like, I did it. I've beat him here. Um, <laughs> but man, what a, a trip. I just remember being so confused and concerned because you're so close to the regular catharsis of like an ending and you see don't you it's been so long but don't you see skull kid like like a sad person like by him by himself right well they they call them i think moon children and yeah yeah and, and there's five of them and the first they all want your character masks and the last one it's it's vague whether or not it's skull kid or if it's just a kid wearing majora's mask because yeah. then you get into the whole twist that, well, not twist, it's told to you at the start that Majora is this spirit and this cursed thing. So I, if you follow kind of like the mythology of it, then this just is, I always interpret it as Majora's victims, that these were all the spirits that it was able oh. to seduce. Oh, God. And like I love that. It's so dark and sad. I love it. And you kind of giving them the mask is this, like, identity of, like, oh, well, like, heal. I've healed all these other people. Like, let's start the process. Because ultimately, that's what the game is about. It's healing wounds that are there. Skull Kid's abandonment from the Giants. Your abandonment from Na'vi. Almost every other character, in a way, is dealing with abandonment. The Deku Kid who left his dad. The Zora who's abandoned this band. And the, oh, the, the band, Goron yeah. father who's abandoned his family. And no one knows that they've abandoned them because they're dead. But, you know, it's right. a, a valid reason to not show up to practice. But <laughs> you get there. And I, I remember thinking it was really cool, too, because it's, like, bright and colorful. And it's so different. Oh, yeah. And it, it, it's like a it's gardening. A tw- like... It's really weird imagery because it feels like it would be heaven, but it's not. <laughs> like, Yeah. Yeah, and then you and then you fight this creepy dark version of Link, which is just oh, so always good. a treat. I've always liked it ever since Zelda <laughs> Two and Ocarina of Time. When that shadow version of you, I'm a sucker for it. Give me yeah. the opposite of the hero. You've beat me, but can you beat yourself? Oh no, oh, I've yeah. been doing this for 31 years. <laughs> I have not been able to beat myself. The insecurities—they're all still here. Majora's Mask one. <laughs> Oh man, uh, that that's the game, and it, it's so good, you guys. Uh, if you haven't played it, the remastered version does a great job. You can probably get it as an, uh, a Nintendo Select game now for twenty bucks, probably uh, at like Target or Walmart. You, you order it online, have it shipped. Um, can't recommend it enough, uh, Blake. Before we get to the end of this, um, I know that you you mentioned before that you had a movie pitch for this, and I would love it if you could share with the listeners what your pitch for a Majora's Mask movie is. Yeah, it, it's one of the few, like, pipe dreams, if things ever go the way I go, of like, oh, I'd want to be the, like, Kevin Feige of video game movies and produce Pokemon and Sonic and Zelda and all these, like, half of these exist now, so I'm, I'm late to the game. They're doing it well, and it's a shame, and it's also great. <laughs> but I always have seen Majora's Mask, if there's a big like MCU-type timeline, of it really being the Winter Soldier of that franchise, where we get a little bit more serious, we get a little darker, it kind of gets away from it. But I kind of mentioned before this 
Amblin adventure, Tim Burton as Korra. And I really think back to the like 1930s Universal Monster movies that were more, I'll say, horror adventure movies. A genre that doesn't really exist anymore. There's not a lot of... I guess Stranger Things is the closest. It's like scary, but it's fun. Yeah. And I think if you kind of play the game straightforward, you would definitely need an almost Star Warsian intro of like of Navi talking and leaving. You need to make it very clear that the reason we're going on this journey is to find a friend, to find somebody who was there for you, who's abandoned you. And I think that's something everyone's gone through. We've all gone to college. We've, I've been on both sides of this, right? I've had friends leave me. And if you talk to my friends back in Chicago, one day Blake got on a plane and didn't say bye. And now he's in LA. (laughs) (laughs) But I think the way it would be shot would be very practical. It would be dark and twisted and, Beetlejuice, Batman Returns, Alien, Aliens, this purple blue hue over it. But really the scene I always see goes into this theme of of futility that I was talking about, that the hero doesn't win everything. And I think if you've gone through three dungeons and you've met a bunch of friends, you need a scene with a, is he with Tattle or Tail? That's the fairy that goes with him is Tattle. Tattle goes with, Tattle goes? And I don't remember which sister's. The fairy that stays with him, stays with him. And I would want them both in Terminia Field, and I would want Link to almost abandon everything and, like, get just so frustrated that he has now saved the same person four times. And every day the moon gets further away, but three days later it's close and really hit what this would do to a kid. Could you imagine taking the same test nine times when you're ten? Now imagine if that test meant... A, a city would be destroyed. It's terrible. Oh. But I think you follow that kind of arc of him learning about this futility. And that's where he discovers empathy in Skull Kid. He goes on this journey. He's abandoned the sword and shield. And he finds, you know, the wooden engravings that Skull Kid left. He just wanted friends. He just wanted to feel like he belonged. And he's not the bad guy. There's this corrupt spirit that's just taking advantage of him because he's weak and it doesn't really become about saving everyone it becomes about saving this one person i think there's always when we're telling ourselves that the things we do are important that making art video games movies music is important is because you know if you hit that one person if one person watches this movie and they feel a little bit better, if if playing Last of Us 2 gets us through the quarantine a little bit easier, it matters. We did it. it it's yeah. fine. What we did was important. I think you carry then that theme, and that would lead into this last battle of, like, we're going to go up against Majora. I know that a lot of these people I helped, because I was able to help them, they will be able to help themselves. This couple might have only learned to communicate because I helped them learn to communicate. But now that they have more than three days, I bet they can figure out how to communicate on their own. And really, by ending this world-changing event and affecting this one kid who can now affect change in this city and town and this inspiration and this legacy, it's such a different idea of being a hero than was in Ocarina of Time. In Ocarina of Time, you're a hero because you you stab the bad guy and you win the day and everything's fine. In Majora's Mask, you're a hero because you've made everybody's day a little bit better and it's a yeah. little thankless. 
you sort of walk away knowing all this stuff that you were doing this for a year. And to them, you rode into town for three days, maybe less, really half an hour, right? You show up, you get to the top of the clock tower, you go in the moon, you beat them. To them, the moon's not a threat. It's the Y2K of problems. Somebody worked really hard so that we could think that it was easy. <laughs> like, Yeah. And I, and I, I, you know, I think you'd have to get Kevin Feige to produce this cool adventure and uh, maybe Scott Derrickson can direct it and, you know, I'm free <laughs> to write the movie. And if these I love giant it, Hollywood beautiful. types are listening, it, the time is right. I can listen to that pitch over and over again. That was phenomenal. Well done. Well done. Well, thank you. Yeah, and thank uh, you so pending. much for coming on, guys. Uh, Blake, thank you so much for coming on. It's always a pleasure hanging out with you. I love it. Um, you guys, um, we did get one one listener um, question. It's just an icebreaker. How many slices of pizza can you devour? Let's just quick fire. I could probably do like two medium, two medium pizzas. Okay. Now, it depends on what type of pizza it is. Oh, we're going to go style. easy. Is it, it's, we're we'll going to go just Domino's, just like crappy, crappy like Little Caesar's pizza. Okay. Because you okay. shouldn't eat something good, like too much. Of, you know what I mean? You shouldn't have too much of a good thing. So like we're having a lot of Dominoes. And the question was how much you can eat in one sitting? In one hour. Oh, I could do probably half a half a half a pie. If it's Dominoes. Yeah. Yeah, half a pie. Easily, easily a pie and a half for me. Easily. Jesus Christ. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. I am I am so used to gluten free personal size pizzas now because that is the gluten free hell I live in. I don't remember what a medium or large size pizza felt or looks like. So on a personal pizza, I can if I'm really hungry, I can do about half a personal pizza. Nice. And Blake. Uh I unfortunately think I just learned this since we ordered Domino's the other day and it was about half the medium in an hour. That and and, and some garlic knots. <laughs> That's solid. Thank you so much, Terrence, for the question. Um, guys, thank you so much for listening to Hit Points. Um, once again, you can let us know your thoughts. Let us know your thoughts on the anything we talked about today, your favorite Majora's Mask memory, um, what you think of the news at refillyourhitpoints at gmail.com or hitpointspod on Twitter. Blake, thank you again for coming on. Where can everyone find you? Well, thank you for having me. I would happily come back. This has been great. Uh, They can find me on Twitter and Instagram at, as always, Blake. And the shows are, you can find them on iTunes and Spotify. It's Hollywood Already Did It if you like movies. It's How Do You Figure if you like toys. And it's uh, One More Drink if you like nonsense. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Guys, thank you so much. Thank you, Blake. Uh, I'm Nao Acevedo. I'm Naeem Stewart. And I'm Emily Rose Jacobson. And we'll see you next time when we refill our hit points.